Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. A warm up from the below. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg H. Peters, and now part of the decent family of podcasts. We've got on tap for you another conference preview today as it is a Sun Belt. As this was one of the more fascinating conferences in all of college basketball last season, they realigned prior to the start of the 2022 23 season. All 14 teams are back for blood and we're going to be breaking it all down in segment number two, Nick Lorenzen. He does great work over at Mid-Major Madness. He is going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at all 14 of these teams, the rosters, the style of play, what have you, and certainly going to be taking a look at the betting trends, what we all gathered from the first year of the new look Sunbelt in segment number one. In the final segment, I'm going to get you guys my projector finish for the Sun Belt, and since I am doing a conference preview today, there's going to be no news and notes that we saw from college basketball on Friday. Quite frankly, we didn't miss too many, so anything I did miss on Friday, I'm going to do on the podcast tomorrow, but I want to give as much shine as seemingly possible to a conference that truly does deserve it, one of the more competitive mid-majors in all of college basketball. And if you ever do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNN underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. So we have taken care of all the housekeeping there. Let's get down to business and let's take a look at a Sunbelt that saw a team essentially go from worse to first. They were in Conference USA two seasons ago, but Southern Miss, after going 1-17 and in Conference USA last year, they were first in the Sunbelt. And if you're taking a look on social media, the team that finished second to last in the conference last year, Arkansas State, they're getting a lot of hype, and it can happen in this conference. Now, you don't find it too often in college basketball just because you've got 10 plus teams. It's much easier to find this in like football where it's a four team division. It's like you went from fourth to first. A little bit more difficult when you've got a 12-plus team conference, but Southern Miss was able to do it last year, and you had a bunch of 19-plus win teams within this conference. As a matter of fact, you had seven in total. It was very much tightly knit at the top. Southern Miss won 14-4 and within the conference, and these are just straight-up records. We're going to get into the betting trends in a few minutes, but Louisiana Marshall, they won 13-5, and as we know. Louisiana made the NCAA tournament, and all three of these top teams all won at least 24 games last season. James Madison... 12 and 6 within the conference. Old Dominion Troy went 11 and 7. You had three 
9 and 9 teams at Georgia Southern, South Alabama, App State, and then Louisiana Monroe. Finished 7 and 11. Actually got a nice little burner run towards the back half of the season. Texas A 6 and 12. Coast Carolina 5 and 13. Arkansas State 4 and 14. And Georgia State 3 and 15 with Many of these schools standing pat with regards to their coaches. Arkansas State made a little bit of change during the offseason, and I do think that that is going to be of intrigue along with Georgia Southern. They lost their coach in O'Brien Berg as he decided that he was going to be going to Ole Miss. He decided to take a assistant coaching job there. But all in all, we are going to be seeing a lot of familiarity with the conference with that regard. And with this conference, what you're going to notice is because you've got so many different schools in there, you're going to find a nice range of styles. It's not quite what Conference USA was in terms of just the tortoise and the hares within the conference, but as we know, Marshall is always a team that likes to push the tempo. They were 16th in the country with regards to total possessions per game. They were by far the fastest team within the conference, but not too far behind James Madison. They were 22nd in the country with regards to total possessions per game. You've got a few other teams that they will look to push the tempo from time to time. Typically, you do find Louisiana to be a team that plays a little bit more up-tempo. They were a tad bit more slow last season. South Alabama's a little bit of a chameleon last year. They were a super-duper slow team. And speaking of those two super-duper slow teams, Texas State, always one of those teams that starts the bottom of the country with regards to possessions per game. They were once again in the bottom 300 with regards to the total possessions per game. You did see quite a few schools decide that they were going to be playing a little bit more defense-oriented. You saw a lot of schools decide, you know what, this is not going to be the year in which we are really going to be pushing a whole heck of a lot of tempo. We saw a team like Louisiana Monroe be a little bit more of a in-the-middle team as well, but you've got a lot of teams within this conference that they will play a wide variety of styles. We shall see what Georgia Southern, who is 242nd in the country in terms of total possessions per game, decides to do. So you've got a lot of teams that they embrace one side of the ball or the other as with Marshall, they were one of the more efficient offenses. They were able to find an off-college basketball. We're really able to elevate their defense as well. A little bit of credit where credit is due, but they were 29th in the country in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. James Madison, they fell down to more around 102nd when it was all said and done, but they were able to have a few 100-point games during the beginning part of the season as well. And then you would notice some of these teams being able to hang their hat on defense, being able to do a rock-solid job with that regard as well as we did see James Madison come to the forefront on that front. They were 43rd in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. And this team did occupy a lot of spots between, I would say, about 69 to 125. Like Troy was 70th in points allowed per possession. Southern Miss, they were more around 68th. South Alabama, they were right around 78th. And a few teams that were just barely able to climb into the top 100, like Appalachian State was number 98 in the country. So you've got a lot of good but not great defenses with regards to this conference. And it's always intriguing to take a look at what you get from a betting perspective because you've got a lot of teams that just play a whole bunch of different funky bunch styles. And last year you had some pretty profitable teams. You had, as a matter of fact, four separate teams cover at least 60% of their games. James Madison, Southern Miss, 118 and 12 against the spread. Marshall, 19 and 12 against the spread. South Alabama, 21 and 12 against the spread. And then Georgia State went 620 and 2 against the spread. The only team that was worse was Tulsa, and they covered four games. You had Coastal Carolina go 10, 17 and 1 against the spread. And then you had a lot of teams that were more in the middle, like Troy, Arkansas State, Appalachian State, Georgia Southern. They were all between about 
48.5 to 53.5% with regards to their cover rate. And if you take a look at how things shook out within conference play, you certainly had your drag of Georgia State. They just got completely lame base at 314-2 against the spread. And with regards to an against the spread perspective, it did very much line up with what we saw in terms of the straight-up conference record. Now, Old Dominion was your top cover team within the conference, 11-7-1 against the spread. And Georgia Southern, another one of those more 500 teams. They won 12-8 against the spread, but Louisiana Lafayette, one of your better teams, 12-8-1 against the spread. James Madison, they did have some rough goes of it towards back half of the season, but still won 12-9 against the spread within the conference. Marshall won 10-9 against the spread, so did Southern Miss. So even though these teams did get elevated a little bit more as conference play went along, they were still slightly profitable. And then if you're taking a look at more of a perspective of these totals, you did see quite a few teams play very heavily to the under. As a matter of fact, Old Dominion and Arkansas State, they both played 60% of their games to the under. Louisiana Monroe, they were right around 55% of their games to the under 13 overs to 16 unders. Your top over team was actually Coastal Carolina. That was because they were really your most anemic defense within the conference. They're in 51st in the country with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. 16 overs to 12 unders. And when it came to conference play, that's where you did see a lot of things go a little bit more overwhelming. You had your two under teams in Troy and Old Dominion. Both of these teams played north of 62% of their games to the under. Meanwhile, you did have six different teams play at least 52% of their games to the over. Marshall, along with Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, all had 11 overs to 8 unders. Louisiana Lafayette, the old Raging Cajuns, 11 overs, 9 unders, and a push. And then Southern Miss, 9 overs, 8 unders, and 2 pushes. So what you found in this conference is that you really had to gauge it by the situation. And that's the way that you do have to go about some of these conferences in which you do have these teams that they play a wide variety of different styles. And I do think that that's where you can really be rewarded if you're a game-to-game perspective person because a little bit harder to find trends when you've got team number like 300 in the country in terms of total possessions per game going up against team number like 10. And I always do think that that's something to take a look at. Now, what I also thought was intriguing was taking a look at how home teams sit within the conference because you did have a lot of home teams mop up and then you had one team that just could not cover to save their lives. Texas State, they went 1-10 against the spread at home. Not good to say the least. It felt like the teams outside the state of Texas really had the big home court advantage as you'll notice this. Louisiana, they went 8-2-1 against the spread at home. Southern Miss, 9-3 against the spread at home. Marshall, 11-5 against the spread at home. South Alabama, James Madison, 8-4 against the spread at home. Troy went 7-4 against the spread at home. Georgia Southern, 8-5 against the spread at home. Old Dominion, they went 8-7 against the spread at home. And then Appalachian State went 6-8 against the spread at home. Georgia State, they went 5-11 against the spread at home. So it certainly was a case where a lot of these teams were rewarded at home unless if you were Texas State. And that was not necessarily too terrific. Meanwhile, you had really a fearsome foursome being able to do a solid job on the road. And well, some of your top teams, once again, James Madison went 9-5 against the spread on the road. App State 8-5 against the spread on the road. Old Dominion 6-4-1 against the spread on the road. And the Marshall 8-6 against the spread on the road. And then your dregs of the conference. Georgia State 1-9-1 against the spread on the road. Louisiana was a bit of an outlier. 5-9 against the spread on the road. But Arkansas State, Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, Monroe, and Troy all covered fewer than 43% of their road games as well. So I did find that to be 
very interesting to be able to dive in on. So this was very much a situational conference, and this is a conference that fosters a lot of different styles, which makes it so much fun to be able to dive in on. We're going to be doing it next with our good friend Nick Lorenzen. He does great work over at Boston Brackets. We're going to be taking a look at all 14 of these teams on the Sun Belt, taking a look at the way that they're going to be playing, taking a look at some of the rosters, and so much more right here on Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Peterson, now part of the DC Family Podcast, the Sun Belt Conference for you this Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Las Vegas, because Casey's with myself, Greg Eubes Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast, and it is always great to be joined by this man. Nick Lorenzen does a great job of being able to evaluate the Sun Belt, so very fitting to get him on for the Sun Belt Preview Edition, as he does tremendous work over at Mid Major Madness, which you're able to follow on X at Mid underscore Madness with Nick. I know that he has been hard at work taking a look at so many of these different leagues, getting set for the upcoming season, which we will follow him at Lorenzen Sports. Lorenzen is spelled with an E in there at the end, not an O. So always keep that in mind. And Nick, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. It's always great to hop on here, Greg. I appreciate you letting me on. I love the Sun Belt. Last year was so much fun with the addition of Southern Miss, Marshall, ODU, JMU, you look at it, those four teams that were added were, what, top six in the league? There were so many upsets in the conference tournament. You had a good Louisiana team in the NCAA tournament that almost won a game. They were down double digits late, ended up cutting into it in the final couple minutes, but weren't able to get the win. But this is always a great league, and it was really elevated with those couple teams joining the league last year. I think it's just going to keep getting better and better. I'm so excited to talk about this league. Oh, I am jacked up for this league as well. And how about if we do start with Southern Miss, a team that – Little was expected of them. They rose to the top of the conference, but it's very interesting to see what they did this offseason with bringing in Andre Curbelo. He's going to be playing alongside Neftali Alvarez, and I think the biggest question with regards to really the entirety of the conference, certainly there are a few question marks, but how will these two coexist in the backcourt? Because if this works out well, Andre Curbelo has talent. If this does not work out, it could be a big, giant disaster. Yeah, we've seen it before. I mean, like you mentioned, Greg, Andre Corbello was a beast at times at St. John's last year. He was good at Illinois a couple of years ago. But one of the most underrated things is what Juan Cardona has done there, bringing in – he was at Miami Prep a couple of years ago. He brought in Neftali Alvarez, who will still be there. He'll be in that backcourt with Austin Crowley and Corbello. It's going to be the best backcourt in the league, one of the best mid-major backcourts in the country. He had Felipe Hase in that front court there last year. He graduated. But when you look at it, those three, it really gives you a different dynamic. Donovan Ivory's there too. They weren't the best shooting team last year, but Curbelo scores a lot of points. So if he's able to get that three-point percentage up, which was 268th in the country, 
this Southern Miss team with a good non-conference, I don't think it would be crazy to think that the Sun Belt could be a two-bid league, but that everything needs to go right. Southern Miss played a really weak non-conference last year, although they had an amazing non-conference. They finished 11-2, and lost to UNLV, lost to Northwestern State. I believe both teams were undefeated, or Northwestern State had a loss at that point. But they beat a Vandy team. They beat a Liberty team, and then they just fell short. They got dominated against UAB, and they lost quarterfinals of the Sunbelt Tournament against South Alabama. But if they play to their full potential at all times, like I know they can, this could be an at-large team. Watch out. Hattiesburg has a good team for uh, for the first time in a while with lots of expectations going into the season. Been a long time since we saw the days of old Donnie Tindall, and that was a very short-lived reign there. So we shall see how things go with Southern Miss and that backcourt, and then this team is so interesting as well because Camden Kerfman made such an impact on Marshall, but now they lose Micah Hanglon, who, as we know, some footer is now at Florida. But I am very intrigued by Obiana Onchele Killian. He, in non conference play a few seasons ago, was averaging like four blocks per contest. They bring in Kavan Voyles. He comes in from Maryland Eastern Shore as well. And I take a look at this Marshall team. I don't know if they're going to be quite as good as they were last year because for Marshall, this team has always been rough on defense. Last year, they really elevated. But I feel like Marshall really got the wheels turning last year. And I still think that there's a lot of potential for this roster, even with Andrew Taylor on the fold. Yeah, Marshall will always be competing under Coach Dantoni's. One of the more underrated coaches in the nation. They have a really good crowd every single game they play there in Huntington. But be missed to talk that Tavian Kinsey's gone. Tavian Kinsey has been the rock of that team for five, six years, and he's gone. So it's going to be a completely new-look Marshall team, although they bring a couple guys back and they have good size. You mentioned Obina and Chili Killen there in that front court. They had a really nice non-conference. But it's going to be a step down because they don't have that rock in Tavian Kinsey. It's going to be interesting to see if they can continue running. They had the fastest average uh, possession length in the country last year on the offensive end. Their tempo was 14th because of – Micah Handlogan, who's gone, and Anna Chile Killen, they were number one in the country offensive block percentage. They did really good on the defensive end, too. They were 66th in two-point percentage. They were really able to hold teams down low and just stop them. It's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, D'Antoni's going to be able to implement his style of fast offense, get back on defense, play that rock. But you have to think it'll be a step down. Because Tavian Kinsey has just meant so much to that program. He was third in the country in percentage of minutes played. Andrew Taylor's also gone 12th in the country in percentage of minutes played. So they lose a lot of experience and just minutes in that back where Camden Kerfman's back. He's top 50 in the country in that. So he'll have to take a step up. But I think it's going to be not as strong as a year for Marshall's last year. They could still probably contend for 20 wins, but it's not going to be on the same level as they were before. No, it is not going to be, but I do think that with Marshall, certainly bringing back Camden Kerfman, I think is going to be big for their overall outside shooting. As joining me on the show, we've got Nick Lorenz, and he does great work over at Mid-Major Madness, and James Madison was really the team that made that noise out of conference. In conference, they seemed to fizzle out just a little bit. They were tremendous at being able to generate turnovers. Sometimes on offense, they got a little bit wonky, though, from time to time. How do you view this James Madison team with – a lot coming back from last year, including, I believe, four out of their top six scores. So a lot of that core, it is returning along with the guy, Michael Green, the third, that could do out the ball. Yeah, I think they're going to be right up there with Southern Miss at the top league. Michael Green coming in from Robert Morris. That non-conference they had, it was really unbelievable. JMU was unbelievable, like that softball team a couple years ago they had. But 
They were scoring 100 points. First four games, 123, 106, 97, 95. Dropped down a little bit against North Carolina, but battled the Tar Heels. Then they scored 100. So, what, five out of their first six games, they scored 100. And when they scored in the 80s and 90s, they'd win. When they scored in the 70s and below that, it was it was kind of a struggle. But Mark Byington's a great coach. You mentioned it. They have so much return. Noah Friedel, Terrence Edwards, TJ Bickerstaff, Justin Amati, Raekwon Horton comes in from Charleston. They have him coming in, Michael Green coming in, Bryant Randleman coming in from High Point, and they return all that talent and all that point, all those points. I think it's going to be a good year in Harrisonburg. They're another program. They have really good support. We've seen it with them before. A couple years ago in the CAA, they were towards the bottom of the league, and they finished in first place, and then COVID happened, and everything kind of fell to the way it had. But I think this is a really good JMU team. They're going to have high expectations too, and they should be competing for a league title. Yep, I think so as well. And James Madison, I think it's hard to be able to topple them within the conference. But this is going to be one of those teams that's going to be looking to make one of the biggest jumps in all of college basketball. Lots of hype around Arkansas State. Arkansas State, they replaced their coach. They bring in Brian Hodgson. And with Mr. Hodgson, who was over at Alabama, he has brought in a whole lot of talent. Freddie Hicks, top scorer at Tarleton State last year. Noah David was a little bit of an ancillary piece at Tarleton State as well. They both are in the full. Caleb Fields returns after he had 11.5 points, 4.5 assists per contest. Terrence Billford Tough is back. Avery Feltz is as well. So we've seen quite a few transfers enter in for Arkansas State, both at the D1 level along with the junior college level as well. And I do think that this is going to be a team that's going to be able to take a leap forward. I think the big question is, how big of a leap can they take in year one? It's a program that's kind of struggled these last couple of years. And before, they were getting good players coming in. They had North Chad O'Meara, who was at Miami, and brought them the Final Four. So they've had guys come in, but Brian Hodgson's like one of four or five Alabama assistants that take a head coaching role this year. There's going to be a lot of hype, especially since he's a Southern guy. I think it's going to come down to Caleb Fields. If Caleb Fields can really take that leadership role, and he's been there before, and he's seen some winning because a couple of years ago under with Norchad, they were at the top of the league. So if he's able to implement that down, it could be really nice. Freddie Hicks is going to be an awesome beast coming in from Tarleton. Like you mentioned, Greg, he can score a ton of points. Julian Wow coming in. They got DeAndre Dominguez, who's at UMass. He'll be a really nice piece in that front court. Great score. And then Latrell Hardnett from Buffalo, too. So they have some really nice pieces coming in in the transfer portal. But I think it's going to come down if Caleb Fields can lead that team. If he can lead that team to the way he did a couple years ago, I think this A-State team could finish in the top four of those Sunbelt. I think that this team is so interesting because they were a team that couldn't get it going last year, but you could tell that they were close in a lot of games, and now they're going to be looking to flip the switch. And for Coastal Carolina, it was a rough year for them, and they lost 20-plus games for the first time in 15 years. They have to replace all of their top five scores from last year. They do have Henry Abram back in the fold. He was relatively solid at Eastern Illinois a few years ago. Kevin Easley Jr., someone that I've always liked at Duquesne. He just has been battling injuries the last few years himself, Brayon Freeman. He left unceremoniously from Rhode Island, but he's got some ability as well. I take a look at the raw pieces that come in for Coastal Carolina. They're not bad, but I'm concerned with one, with depth, and two, how these pieces are going to be able to fit together. Yeah, it wasn't your normal year last year for Coach Cliff Ellis. One of the greatest in the game. I believe he's top three right now, all-time in wins. Their defense was horrendous last year. And it's going to be tough because they lose a player like Islam Mustafa, who's been really good for them the last two, three years, and he's been the rock of that program. But a name I want to look out for, Miroslav Stoffel. He was at Hartford a couple years ago, went over to Central Michigan, didn't have the same kind of uh, kind of role that he had at Hartford. 
But if he can play to his full strength, I believe he could be maybe a third team all Sunbelt kind of player. And it's also going to come down if Kevin Easley can behave himself. That was more of a problem. If he can behave himself and he can play to his full potential, they have one of the better front courts in the league, which is what they needed because last year that defense was just not there. I don't know much about their backcourt. Brian Freeman's in. But Cliff Ellis is a good coach, so it'll be tough for them to be as bad as they were last year. But I don't know if this Coastal team intrigues me enough to pick them maybe in the top six. They still have some ways to go. It's going to be interesting to see how Cliff Ellis does these next couple of years, how much longer he stays and what he does. But he has some pieces of that front court. If that front court can be better than last year where they were one of the worst in the country and that offense can pick up a little bit, this Coastal team could be a little bit better. Certainly. They do have a long-standing history of being able to do a rock-solid job under Cliff Ellis, but they need to try to get things rolling this season. As shown to me on the show, we've got Nick Lorenzo. He does great work over at Mid-Major Madness and – this team made the 2023 NCAA tournament and really got on a nice run towards back half of the season in Louisiana. But as we know, they've got quite a few pieces that they do need to replace. Kentrell Garnett, he's one of the main guys back. He's been a great three-point shooter for the team each of the last few years. But when you lose someone like Jordan Brown, who's able to give you 18-plus points, nearly 10 boards, a couple of blocks, that is going to be hurting this team a little bit. And I think the big question is, can some of these ancillary pieces like a Joe Charles, Kobe Julian, perhaps, can they be able to take those strides forward? Losing a player like Jordan Brown, player of the year in the league last year, is going to be a huge loss. But Louisiana's always really well coached. Like I mentioned in that NCAA tournament game, they fought back. They were down double digits, and the Bob Marlins bunch did something. But that offense was great last year, 60th in the country in effective field goal percentage, 46th in three-point percentage. It's going to come that if Themis Folks can continue what he did last year, that'll be huge. They have Blake Butler coming in who's a Mississippi junior college kid. Interesting enough, during the final four, I was going with the coach. We were going to go see a Astros game. We get into an Uber. I was telling Coach Marlin this story a couple months ago. His mom's our Uber driver. We're like talking basketball, and she's like, yeah, my son's actually looking for a couple schools right now. He's talking to Texas, Texas Tech. He's a high major player. He's going to be at Louisiana. He'll be a key piece of that backcourt. So it'll be fun to see what him and Demas Folks can do. Kobe Julian will have to take a step up. Hosanna Kitnich coming over from Coastal Carolina has that Sun Belt experience. He'll have to take a little step up too. So I think they have solid pieces in that backcourt. The frontcourt's not going to be as strong, obviously, when you lose a player of the year like Jordan Brown. Bob Marlin's a great coach. They'll still probably finish a top six, but they're also a team that always just like sneaks under the radar 24, 25 wins every single year. I always feel like I'm a little low on them. And then they surprise me. So I think they'll be a top six team. I don't think they're a top two team in the league, but you never know because Bob Marlin always just does special stuff with his bunches. Yeah, Bob Marlin has done an incredible job at Louisiana. He's been there for a very long time. Certainly might be a little bit of a rough one to be able to. Rep- it certainly might be a little bit rough moving forward trying to replace Jordan Brown, but if there's someone that can, he can. And with Louisiana Monroe, they actually had a nice stretch towards the back half of the season last year. They were able to get hot in like late January, early February. And I take a look at this bunch, and certainly I don't think that they're going to be towards the top of the conference, but there are some nice pieces there. Tariq LaCour is back after he averaged 14.5 points per game. The guy whose name I will never be able to pronounce, Nika Mechavashelli, I'm going to go with that. He was limited to just five games last season. Savion Gallon is back as well. And I take a look at this bunch, and with a lot of returning pieces, bringing there Therese Watson, someone who was able to tear it up at the 91 level, I think there's some upside with this Monroe team. 
Oh, yeah, there totally is. When you talk to people in the league, there's so many great coaches in the league, but every single time you hear Keith Richards' name, and there's just massive respect for him in this league. They really struggled on the offensive end last year. They were bottom 15 in effective field goal percentage in the country. One of the worst two-point shooting teams in the country. Even though they return a lot of people, it might be a little bit tough. I think they'll be better than they were last year. If Mishik Ravilli, Nika, and Clay and play more than five games, I think that will be really huge to this program. Their front court was pretty much a problem. They also bring in Jerry and Gopot from St. Peter's. He has that big game experience, and hopefully he'll be able to bring in a little depth in that front court and boost them up a level. But I don't think UL Monroe will be as bad as last year, but I don't think they'll be maybe a top six team in the league. But there's so much respect for Coach Richard in the league. It would not surprise me at all if he ends up doing something special in Monroe, if not this year, the next couple of years. I do think so as well. And I do think that for Louisiana Monroe, it's just continuing to look a little bit better every single year for them. And I do think that there's a chance that they could be able to ascend this season. And we shall see if this team is going to be able to ascend. Appalachian State, I think that what Coach Kern has done with this program is nothing short of remarkable. And this man was able to win at Presbyterian a few seasons ago. So I place him in very, very high regard. And I take a look at App State, bringing back Donovan Gregory, being able to bring back so many of those pieces like C.J. Huntley. And I think that's going to work out well for them. They don't have a lot of guys coming in, both Appalachian State, they play one of the slowest paces in all of college basketball. They play some tough defense, made the NCAA tournament a few seasons ago. I think that Appalachian State, once again, going to be a pesky team and one of the more just disciplined teams within the conference. Yeah, nothing but love for Dustin Kearns. He's one of the greatest guys in college basketball. Really good coach, like you mentioned, Greg. Won at PC, which is pretty much it's one of the most difficult places in the country to win. And he's revitalized this App State program. He has the campus interested. Really good defensive team last year. I don't know how he does it every year. You look at this roster, every single year, it seems like he has one of the oldest rosters in the country. It just doesn't make sense how that works. Donovan Gregory's coming back. He's been in the program since 2016. He committed in 2016. He's been a part of the program for seven years. They have Miles Tate coming in from Butler. That'll be a really nice piece. Terrence Harcum's also in that front court. He's been there for a couple years. This App State's gonna this App State team's gonna compete. They always compete. They always knock off a couple teams. They'll be up there towards the top. They just need to get that offense a little better. That defense is there. Dustin Kearns is a great coach. They have that experience. So App State will be making noise in the league this year. Yep, I think that they will be as well as making noise on this podcast as Nick Lorenz, and he does great work over at Mid-Major Madness, and he's joining me for the Sunbelt Preview Edition, and this bunch had an uncharacteristically down year, 10-21 and 21 last season, their worst win percentage since the 2007-08 season. I do think that there's some upside with Georgia State and Jonas Hayes. It just felt like they were dealing with a bunch of injuries, a bunch of misfit parts, and Dwan Odom being back. I think he's going to be able to help this team out. As we know, he began his career at Xavier, went over to Georgia State with Jonas Hayes, was able to put in their 13 points per contest. And I think the biggest thing for the team, finding a little bit of three-point shooting, guy like a Ricky Bradley who's able to stuff the set in the backcourt should be able to help. Jaden Turner coming in from Queens should be of assistance as well. Certainly Georgia State far ways away from when they were competing at the top of the Sun Belt, but at the same time, I do think that strides will be taken forward this season. Yeah, that doesn't happen much at Georgia State. Like you mentioned, 2007, that they have a season that bad, and there was a lot of injury problems, but their offense was really bad. They're tenth in the country. That's not your normal Georgia State kind of team. They bring in a lot of people, and they have some experience there, too. Juwan Odom's been there a couple of years. Mitchell Ricky Bradley coming in from BMI. He's a really good scorer. Tonari Lane. 
And then that front court, I'm really interested with that front court because Jaden Turner was a great piece at Queens, led the Royals last couple of years, great over there last year in their first year at D1. Leslie Inquarium at Longwood, he was a key piece of that program getting revitalized, and he comes in that front court, and he has experience too. So they brought in experience in the transfer portal, which is what you want to see after you have a bad season like that. This isn't a program that loses. Without a doubt in my mind, I think this Georgia State team will finish back in the top eight. It just depends on if they stay healthy. If they stay healthy, they could be a legit contender at the top of that league. I do think that health is going to be so paramount as well because you saw like half the team go down with injuries. So we're in lockstep on that one. And when it comes to this team, it felt like the hole was greater than the sum of its parts. That would be the Troy Trojans. Last season, you did have Christian Eugene was able to do a nice, solid job in the backcourt, but they sort of facilitated by committee. They are going to be losing a lot of players that were instrumental for them having some success down low. They don't return a single player. They have more than 3.2 rebounds per game, but Titan Connerway, who's coming in from Ranger College, I think he's certainly going to be able to help out on that front. I do think, though, that with Troy losing quite a few guys from last season, they're going to really need to rely upon Amir Mohammed to step up. I think that this could be a little bit of a rough year for a guy in Scott Cross that very much has had a ton of success in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I mean, Amir Mohammed, like you mentioned, he needs to take a really big step this year. Scott Cross, another guy, tremendous respect for, great friend in the game. He's one of the top coaches in this league. They'll always compete. They beat Florida State last year. They do lose quite a bit. I mean, Duke Miles is gone. They lose pretty much a good bit of this team. It's going to be tough. Their defense, they're another defensive team that they really key in on their defense, 97th in the country last year. That defense would have to take up another step to really be a significant competitor in this league. They're going to be top eight with a coach like Cross, but it's going to be tough with the roster. They lose so many people. They did end the season on a hot streak. They won, what, six or seven? But it's going to be tough. They lose too much. Scott Cross is a great coach. They'll be competitive, but... It's not going to be a tournament-challenging kind of team. Yep, I agree with you. And I think that it's going to be tough for this team as well in Texas State. As Texas State, they always play that slow, grimy style. They're always a team that is going to be looking to get after you defensively. But they do have to replace their top three scores from a season ago. Tyrell Morgan is going to be asked to do a whole heck of a lot this season. They do bring in Colton Benson. And I do think that that is going to be big for this team. He was over there at Army, and he put up some very nice numbers. But at the same time, I do take a look at this Texas State bunch, and I think that's going to be a little bit of an uphill climb for them as well. Yeah, Colton Benson's an awesome piece. But like we mentioned earlier with like a Jordan Brown, it's going to be tough for a program like Texas State to replace someone like Mason uh, Harrell. I called him zero. He looked like zero from holes. He's gone, and he's really been the rock of that team for a while. He was the reason, in my opinion, why they made that run in the Sun Belt tournament last year. They what, they won three games, lost in the semifinals to Louisiana, who ended up winning the whole thing. It's going to come down to Colton Benson, and if he can build something these next couple of years, I really don't think they'll be competitive up towards the top. It might be a tough year down there in San Marcos. They're another program that just loses so much, but they're they're another really strong head coach program. It's going to be tough for the Bobcats. Yeah, it is going to be very tough for them, and I think it might be a little bit tough for this team as well. South Alabama, they were a relatively solid defensive team, one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball, but they're going to be looking at someone like a Samuel Tabe, who comes in from Seton Hill, not Seton Hall, Seton Hill, D2 school, where he was averaging like 16.5 points per game to be able to elevate. Judah Brown is going to be back at the full, but a lot of the main pieces from this team are gone from a season ago. It was a bunch that they very much do typically rely upon their starting five. They don't go a ton 
to the bench, bringing in Thomas Howell from Louisiana Monroe. That's going to be able to help. He was able to stretch out. I was able to shoot some threes. But I take a look at South Alabama. Year in and year out, it always feels like they're lacking on depth somehow, some way. They always find the way to be able to make it work. But I do think that this year might be a little bit of a different challenge. Yeah, it'll be tough losing Kevin Samuel. I mean, he was a rock down low for them. He was a rock at FGCU before. Every year, it seems like it's a question of when will Richie Riley get over that hump and make the NCAA tournament. And they had a great end of the season last year. They made some about finals. They won 8 of 10. To get a pretty good seed, they had a terrible start to conference play. They were 2-7. and seven. Ended up finishing with a 9-9 nine and nine record. I love their backcourt additions. Isaiah Gator comes in from Assumption College. He was really highly touted out of the transfer portal. Maxwell Land was one of the better players in the NEC these last couple of years at St. Francis PA. So I love those two pieces. We're going to need Judah Brown to take a step up in that front court at South Alabama. It's going to be tough, though, to replace a player like Kevin Samuel because he was really a rock down low for them. If there's anyone that can do it in this league, though, I think it's Richie Riley. He always just finds guys that can take that step up and play really competitive basketball and have them competing towards the top. So it's the question again, can Richie Riley get over the hump with maybe not as good of a group that he usually has because he usually gets loaded with these transfer guys and they're highly touted and it hasn't been on that level this year. I think they'll be competitive. We'll see. I don't know if it's as strong as the team as they had last year, especially losing Kevin Samuel. So it'll be interesting. I think they'll be competitive, but I don't know if they're going to be up there towards the top. You were using the word interesting quite a bit there. And when I think interesting in this conference, I just think Georgia Southern, Charlie Henry, he takes over after Brian Berg, the Berg, decided that he was going to land at Ole Miss as an ex- as an assistant. Now, I do like some of the pieces that are coming in for the team. Jamar Franklin is going to be coming into the program. That's something that you like. And Eugene Brown, former top 150 recruit over at Ohio State, he enters in, as well as Russell Dean, who was the main facilitator over at Hampton last few seasons. But this is going to be very much a new-look team. If someone like a Malik Kidwell coming in from Bluefield State he can get even close to replicating the 21 points per game that he did at the D2 level, there's some upside here. But lots of moving parts for a team that they've got talent. I just don't know if they've got the cohesion. Yeah, I fully agree. They've been a team that's really struggled on the offensive end these last couple of years. And they bring in a player like Russell Dean. Now he takes a ton of shots, but he scores a ton of points. He scored so many points at Hampton. It'll be interesting to see if he can come in and he can elevate that offense. There's a lot of moving pieces. Eugene Brown comes in. That's an awesome piece. Jamar Franklin comes in. Aaron Banks is a nice little freshman. Cam Bryant returns in that front court. He'll be. He'll need to be a rock. I think it's going to come down to cohesion. Uh, they have good pieces. Now, a lot of these pieces really didn't win at their old schools. But I think that Georgia Southern's in a better spot than they were last year. So I don't know if they'll be a top six team in the league, but they're making the right strides. Yep, I think so as well. I think that this is a team that could be more around that seven to eight range. That's where I was putting them. And I do think that they are making those strides that you were alluding to. And this is a team that's going to be looking to make some strides as well. Old Dominion, as we know, this is a team that's always going to be playing that slow, grimy style. And it looks like Jason Wade is back, who it feels like he's been on campus for about 37 years. He just has not been able to get out there on the floor dealing with injuries. But R.J. Blakeney, one of the more underrated transfers within the conference, comes in after averaging six and a half points, three and a half boards the last few years at Dayton. He knows how to be able to play some rough and tumble defense. And Tyrone Williams is someone to not sleep on as well. This is a well-coached team over there at Old Dominion. And I think that this is a team that can really shoot up the rankings, especially with them hitting the junior college ranks and being able to bring in something like a Sam Hood. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Jones is a great coach. When you look at their losses last year, they were a really good team. They were super underrated in this league. People didn't talk about them enough. 
All their losses were pretty much close. It came down to that offense. That offense really struggled. And we saw it in the conference tournament. They scored 36 points in their conference tournament game. I don't think they scored 20 points in the first half. It was really tough. But they're another program. They scored 14. They're another program that gets that really good support. They have R.J. Blakeney coming in from Dayton. I think that'll be an awesome piece in that front court. Jeff Jones always does a really good job bringing in highly touted kids out of high school who maybe didn't play the biggest role when they came into college. He elevates them a little bit, but they lose a lot in that front court. That backcourt's awesome. They have Devin Caesar coming back, Emo Essien. But they also lose Makai Long, who took huge strides last year for that ODU program. Jeff Jones will always have him compete. I don't think this roster is as strong as last year. But he's in the, there's so many coaches. I keep saying it over and over again. Compete, compete, compete. It's a competitive league. It's a competitive league with really good coaches, and Jeff Jones is another one of them. Yep, he certainly is one of them. And we got all 14 teams broken down. It is now a very wide-ranging conference thanks to realignment. Nick, you've done a great job of taking a look at this conference. I know you're very hard at work with your own previews, so let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, over at Mid-Under-Madness on Twitter, we're doing two Twitter space previews a week. Last week, was or this past week, we did three leagues, A-10, Big West. We had Mike McPio on, Joe Pasternak, the Russell Turner interview. We had a really good interview with Russell Turner. That was cut out because Twitter was all wonky. And then we also had the Mountain West to talk with BJ Reigns about all the teams in the Mountain West. Next week, we're going to do the Patriot. I'll have Ethan Hennessy for Happening Hoops on there. OVC. I'm going to have Andrew Kirkison, who does who covers USI really well over there in Evansville on there. So we'll be doing those two times a week. And then also my personal account, and Lawrence and Sports. Nick does an absolutely tremendous job taking a look at the great game of college basketball. And every single time he joins this podcast, lends amazing insights, much like he did today, and gave us a great lay of the land when it comes to the Sun Belt. A big thanks to Nick for joining me on Coast Coast Hoops. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast and coming next is that time of the podcast. I give you my projector or finish for the Sun Belt. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. And we're back here at Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Eves Peters. And now part of the Visa Family and Podcast, a big thanks to Nick Lawrenson, who does amazing work over at Mid-Major Madness. He joined me in the last segment. We took a look at all 14 of these teams in the Sun Belt. It is going to be a lot of fun, but the one thing that is stressful is trying to pick a projected order finish, which I am tasked with right now. But, but with that said, a little bit more equipped to be able to do so thanks to Nick and all of his Great research and his analysis. So, big thanks to Nick Lorenzen for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I do give you my projector or finish for the Sun Belt. First things first, if you missed it in segment number one, because I am doing a conference preview today, no news and notes of college basketball from Friday. I will get those tested up on the podcast tomorrow. So, have no fear there, but I think that you should be fearing if you are this team. Projected number 14 by myself is going to be Texas State. Texas State, always a nice low and slow team, but... We know that this team has had some coaching regime changes in recent years. There's been a little bit of inconsistency, and now they have to replace Mason Harrell, who is the heart and soul of this team last season. And on top of that, they replace three of their top four scorers in total. Tyrell Morgan, he had about 9.6 points per contest. Drew Drina was able to give you about 7 points per game, but this team really didn't shoot it well from three-point range. Colton Benson, who comes in from Army, I like him at about 11.5 points per game, but there's not a lot of rebounding remaining from a team that was trying to hang their head a little bit more on rebounding. They were 337th in home three-point shooting percentage last season. If Dylan Dawson, a career 36% three-point shooter, is able to pick it up a little bit, perhaps you have a little bit of upside, but this team that didn't have a lot of depth to start with, they lose their heart and soul, Mason Arrow. I think that it's going to be rough for them. As a result, I've got Texas State at number 14 with regards to my projector or finish. Number 13, I'm going to go with Troy. I like Scott Cross as a coach. I think that he has done absolutely amazing work in the Sun Belt in recent years, but I just don't see it with this team. You've got Christian Eugene, who is able to give you 12 points, 2.5 assists, a little bit over a seal per contest, shot 39% for three, and Amir Mohammed, who was able to log 10.5 points per game, but they don't return a single player that averaged more than 3.2 rebounds per game. I like the guy, Titan Connorway, who comes in from Ranger College. He was able to average 3.5 assists, 1.5 seals, 15.5 points per contest. Very solid there, and this is a team that was 41st in turnovers force on a per-defensive play basis last season, and they were also 322nd in three-point shooting percentage, and they really didn't bring in a lot to help out with that. Jackson Fields, he's going to be trying to help out this bunch after he shot about 41% from three, but a guy that was only able to splash in there in the neighborhood of about four points per contest, so it's really leaving a lot to be desired. I do think that this is going to be 
a little bit of a slow rebuild for this team and having to replace so many pieces that were so key from a team that, I mean, they really had a lot of depth and now they have none whatsoever. It's quite a quantum shift. So number 13 in my projector or finish, I'm going to be going with the Trojans of Troy. At number 12 in my projector or finish, it's tough, but I am going to have to go with Louisiana Monroe. And I do think that Louisiana Monroe is starting to be able to build a little bit of something, but losing Thomas Howell via the transfer portal, that was very rough. A 6'8 guy that's able to pop threes. Now, they do have something to build around with Tariq LaCour, a guy that was able to give you north of 13 points per contest. Solid three-point shooter. Savion Gallon was able to give you right around about 7.5 points per game as well. But you've got a lot of inexperience when it comes to this front court. They're going to be looking at someone like an Adu Daitu, who comes in from UAB, just could not get out there on the floor last year, but he's a six foot ten, little bit of a project player along Jerry Nugapot. He comes in from St. Peter's, the old Peacocks. He was able to see a little bit of action there, but once again, a little bit more of a project, and you just can't rely upon Nika. And this is like the hardest last name to spell because it's like 15 letters and everything like that. Metka Kajvili. Hopefully I got that correctly. I mean, he was able to give the team five games last season. He was able to average 10 points per game. And at six foot eight, he's able to pop threes. But if he's not able to stay out there on the floor, it is a little bit of doomsday for this team. So I do think that you've got your big time question marks for Louisiana Monroe. They're certainly closer than they have been in past years, but really can't justify them putting them much higher than what I have. I've got them number 12 with regards to my projector or finish. And number 11, I'm going to be going with Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina on paper is not number 11 with regards to this projector or finish, but they pretty much lose all of their top five scores from a season ago. So you've got a lot of turnover on that front. With Coastal Carolina, it was just a mess for the team on defense last season. They were about 351st in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. And with Issa Mustafa out of the fold, I don't think that that's going to be getting any better. Jimmy Nichols is back after he was able to average seven points, four boards per contest, and Henry Abram is able to give you about two and a half assists per game. Shot about 35 and a half percent for three, but needs to be more of a guy that's willing to put it up. He only averaged about four and a half points per contest last season. Now, Brayon Freeman at Rhode Island last year was able to log 14 points per game, began his career at George Washington. I think that he's going to need a waiver to play, so you want to be looking out there as well, but he sort of left Rhode Island on bad terms. He pretty much quit the program. That was not great. Jinkia Ojiyako, he's someone that comes in from George Mason. He's six foot ten. He should be able to add a little bit of something down low. Morsloff Stoffel has size. He's able to pop threes, but you do have your question marks with a lot of these guys. It feels like a band of misfit pieces because if Kevin Easley can be the guy that we thought he was going to be when he was at the Power 5 level, when he was over at Duquesne, that would be tremendous. But he's coming off of playing just three games last season as well. So lots of question marks with a Coastal Carolina team that has talent, but at the same time, they've got a whole lot of concerns, both on the court and off the court. So at number 11, with regards to my projector or finish, we're going to be going with Coastal Carolina. At number 10, I can't believe I got the seam this low, but I'm going to be going with South Alabama, just because with South Alabama, they do lose so much from last season. Now, they are going to be bringing in one of those guys I was talking about with Louisiana Monroe a few minutes ago in Mr. Thomas Hull. He was right around six foot eight last season, was able to pop some threes. Really liked what I saw from him a season ago, being able to expand that range. And then Samuel Tabe, he comes in from Seton Hill, not Seton Hall, but Seton Hill. 16 and a half points, eight boards, six foot five guard. That's able to give you about a steal per contest. Isaiah Gator, he's someone that from the non-D1 ranks as well. He was able to notch about 16 and a half points per game at Assumption College, but Judah Brown is one of your main returning scorers. Shot 41% for three, but just six and a half points per game. Tyrell Jones, 
He's able to do a nice job stuff the stat sheet. Nine points, four boards, two assists. Uh, he did a lot of good things for this team, but you've got a very much lack of size down low. Kevin Samuel, he was the heart and soul of everything down low, and now you don't have a single player that's really north of six foot nine that has any sort of college basketball experience whatsoever. So that is really going to be hurting South Alabama. I think that Richie Riley is an amazing coach. I think that this is going to be the one of the toughest coaching jobs that he has to date, though. So as a result, I do have this bunch. Number 10 with regards to my projector or finish. At number 9, I am going to be going Georgia State. I think that things are going to go better for Georgia State this year than last year. Jonas Hayes, I do believe, is a very solid coach. We saw that on display when he was able to lead Xavier in very rough circumstances to an NIT title. And he's got Dwan Odom, one of those pieces from that Xavier team on his roster as he was able to last season log about 13 points, four and a half boards, four assists. Um, he's a nice statue suffer, but you just need three-point shooting with this team as last year they were one of the worst teams in the country in terms of just being able to knock down three-point shots as they were also a team that they had a lot of their shots blocked as well. They were 330th in points scored on a per-possession basis. 6.8% of their shots got blocked. That was 323rd in the country. They're going to be looking to a junior college transfer from Northeastern Oklahoma. And Julian Mackey was able to average 20.5 points, 5 boards, 4 assists to really lend some versatility for this team. Lucas Taylor is someone that comes in after being a top 200 recruit that began his career at Wake Forest on their bench. Josh Taylor shot about 37.5% from three. He has the capability to be able to block some shots. He comes in from ETSU and Ricky Bradley. He just did a little bit of everything at VMI. 9.5 points, 5 boards, 2 assists per contest. So I do like the fact that they bring in all these transfers, but you have to be wondering how these pieces are really going to be working out. I still don't think that they necessarily have that primary ball handler. Brandon Tucker is someone that's able to get you some buckets. And Jermaine Mann, he does a solid job as a little bit of a stretch player, but really doesn't shoot threes as well. So still do have my question marks with Georgia State, though. I do think that things are trending in the right direction for them. As a result, I do have Georgia State at number 8 with regards to my projector or finish. At number 7, how about if we go with the other Georgia school? We're going to be going with Georgia Southern. It is very much a new-look Georgia Southern team as they had to replace their coach during the offseason, but I really like the pieces that they brought in. You bring in someone like a Eugene Brown who is over there at Ohio State, a former top 200 recruit. That's a very good place to be able to start with this team. You've got Russell Dean who was able to dole out the ball while he was at Hampton. Not necessarily the most efficient shooter in the world, but a guy that's able to go out there. He's able to get you buckets. He's going to have a little bit less of a weight on him to have to do a little bit of everything. And if you could get Cam Bryant back to his 2021-22 form as well as this has been a guy that has been going all throughout college and we need to see if he's actually going to be out there on the floor this year or not as well. But I mean, he was able to average a few years ago, seven and a half points, shot in the high 30s from three-point range. And then Blake Tidwell is one of the more underrated non-D1 transfers in the country at Bluefield State, 21 points, two and a half steals, shot 40% from three-point range. So I do think that there's a lot of upside there. You've got a guy in Charlie Henry who I believe that he is another one of these Alabama assistants that takes a job and he should be able to upgrade a Georgia Southern team that was just 246th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. I think that this is going to be a team that plays a little bit more up-tempo with Tyron Moore at the helm. I do think that they're going to be able to play a little bit more up-tempo, be able to get those points as more. He was able to give you more with right around 10 points and a steal per contest. And I do think that there is quite a bit of upside with Georgia Southern, which is why I did set them in my projector or finish at number eight. At number seven, I do think that it is going to be a follow-up for Louisiana. I've got Louisiana here 
You lose a guy in Jordan Brown who was able to give you darn near a double-double every single time he took the floor the last few seasons, and you're just going to have a little bit of a tough time replacing that. Now, Kendrell Garnett was 14th with regards to three-point shooting percentage among qualifying D1 players two seasons ago at 47.3%. He's coming off of notching six half points, shot about 42% for three last season, and Themis Folks, he was 10th in America in assists per game with 9.2 points, 6 assists per contest, but you have to be wondering who's going to be able to help him out. Michael Thomas is someone that's able to give you a little bit of passing. You're able to have Kobe Julian shoot about 36.5% for three, but Julian just can't be relied upon to really stay healthy. Louisiana did not bat down the hatches and really going to the transfer portal too much as well, and I do think that that lack of size that they were provided, it's going to downgrade a defense that under Bob Marlin typically... It has its question marks. So I do think that for Louisiana, this is going to be a little bit of a tough road to hoe. I do like the fact that they bring in someone like Blake Butler who should be able to provide a little bit of versatility. But all in all, I do have my question marks with Louisiana after they were able to make the NCAA tournament last season. And with the way that the league is structured, you can see a team go from first to worst very, very quickly. So I do have Louisiana at number seven with regards to my projector or finish. At number six, I am going to be going with Arkansas State. I can't quite get behind these people are having this team go from second worst to first, but I do think that this team is going to be able to upgrade quite a bit. You're bringing in someone like a DeAndre Dominguez. He was playing over at UMass last season. He's got a little bit of versatility at six foot nine. He's able to pop some threes. Like Terrence Ford Jr., built Ford Tough. He was able to register right around 10 points per contest. He's a good three-point shooter. I mean, this is just incredible. What we have seen out of the uh, former Alabama assistant to be able to build up this program and Brian Hodgson, Friday X, he was just able to do everything at Tarleton State. 16 points, 6 boards, 2.3 assists, shot in the mid-30s for three-point range. Caleb Fields is a nice facilitator with about 4.3 assists per game, but you do have to have some question marks with regards to just how things are going to be structured, how long it's going to take for these pieces to get online, because it's sort of a 50-50 split between returning players like a Malcolm Farrington, who's always had a relatively solid role on the team, and then new guys like Number 80 freshman recruit, according to 247 Sports from the class of 2022, Darion Ford, who he comes in after he was at Arkansas last season, averaged less than a points per contest, just could not get out there on the floor. And there are some concerns with regards to rebounding as well. You need someone like an Isaiah Nelson, who's saying six foot ten, to really be able to hit the boards. Laquell Hardnett should be able to help that out. He comes in for Buffalo. He was a guy that was able to put in there some nice production in the back last season, 11.7 boards, shot in the high 30s from three-point range. So, I think the pieces are there for Arkansas State to take a nice stride forward. Keep in mind, they were second worst in the conference last season. I've got them this year. Number six, with regards to my projector or finish. And number five, I am going to be going with Marshall. I do recognize that Marshall is going to be losing quite a bit from last season, but I think that this is a well-coached team under Dan D'Antoni. Yes, that is of relation to Mike D'Antoni. And they bring in a guy in Camden Kerfman two seasons ago that really elevated the three-point shooting last season, shooting about 40% from three, one points, a little bit over a seal per contest. Jacob Connor, I think, is going to be able to take some strides forward as well. He registered a little bit over a seal, five points, three and a half rebounds per game. And then Obiana Onchele Killian. He, I still remember, a non-conference play two seasons ago, averaged darn near four blocks per contest. This team was 18th in total blocks in terms of the percentage of shots that they saw last season on defense. So their block shot rate was very, very high. They do have to replace Micah Hanglotten, but drawn. Melda Vinch, he should be able to help out as well. During the 2021-22 season, Goran was able to give you about four boards. He was a starter for a little bit of time before he was relegated to the bench. 
We did see that production go down a little bit, but active hands should still be had even with Andrew Taylor out of the fold. Andrew Taylor last year north of 18 points per contest, shot it well from three, but Kevin Voiles, 13 points, two steals per contest at Maryland Eastern Shore, one of the best players with regards to being able to generate turnovers in all of college basketball. I don't think that Marshall is going to be taking too much of a step back there. So going to be playing fast as they have been in the top 38 in possessions per game in seven out of the last eight seasons. So I do think that even though they lose so many of those guys that were top flight scorers for the team last season, the drop-off not going to be significant. Did place Marshall at number five with regards to my projector or finish. At number four, I am going to be going with Appalachian State. Appalachian State is just going to be running back. They don't necessarily have a ton of guys that are going to be entering via the transfer portal. They did pick up Miles State, who was at Butler. And during the 2020-21 season, he had his best season at Butler. He was a freshman that year, a little bit over a steal, seven points per contest. He's really the main guy that comes in from a team that they have one thing that they need to improve. Free throw shooting. 358th in the country in terms of free throw shooting percentage at home last season, but they were 26th in opponent field goal shooting percentage last season. As well, CJ Hundley is back. 9.6 boards. You don't necessarily have that one like terroristic guy down low that's going to give you right around like 10 plus rebounds per game, but they do a great job of being able to rebound by committee. Donovan Gregory, 12.5 points, 4 boards, 4.3 assists, 1.6 steals per contest for a team that was disciplined. 14th in the country and fouls committed on a per defensive play basis last season. Terrence Harcum coming back after he made about 36% of his series, 1.2 points per game, and at at least 10 points in 12 out of his last 14 games. He really elevated towards back half of the season. I think that this is going to be a bunch with Justin Abson back after he was 18th among qualifying D1 players in blocks per game with 2.2. That is going to be once again. Very rock solid. I, as a result, have Appalachian State number four with regards to my projector or finish. And number three, I'm going to be going with Southern Miss. Southern Miss might have the most talent of any team within the conference because they do bring in the much maligned and the much heralded Andre Cabello, but I just need to see how it's going to shake out before I can put this team at number one because with Andre Cabello, he's able to give you multiple steals per game. He's able to make those explosive plays. He also makes a very dumb plays as well. This is the uh, backcourt that has the most upside. They are going to need to have a little bit more of something down low. They've got Donovan Ivory at six foot eight, and then Lieb Yacht. He is six foot eleven. He should be able to do a relatively solid job down low as well. But I do have some question marks as to the way that they're going to be able to hit the boards. Austin Crowley being back after he was able to register a double-figure amount of points and was able to be tremendous in this backcourt. That is absolutely massive for this bunch. And Neftali Alvarez, he missed much of the year last season, but when he was out there on the floor, was able to log about 8.3 assists in the 15 games that he did play. If you look at his last full season at Mercer, he averaged that season 13.5 points, 3.5 boards, 4.2 assists, 1.4 steals per game. That's big. Victor you a core. He comes in from UNLV after he was able to register about a block, three and a half rebounds per game in very limited minutes. So I think that he's going to be able to do a nice job. But the whole crux of this is what are you going to be able to get out of Andre Corbello and can he coincide with Austin Crowley and Neftali Alvarez? As a result, I do have the same number three in regards to my projector or finish as I do think that they've got a little bit more talent than my number two team, but I trust in my number two team just with regards to chemistry and the way that we have seen the team play in the past. I am going with Old Dominion. I do think that R.J. Blakeney, who was over at Dayton the last few seasons, is going to be able to elevate this team. Derrico Williams is someone I like. 
He's a six foot seven gentleman that has been on campus for quite a while. He does a nice job of just doing the little things for the team. As with Jerika Williams, you're going to get a few rebounds. You're going to get a few points as well to help out Chauncey Jenkins, your top scorer. 13 and a half points, three and a half boards, three assists. Shot about 37% from three. And that's one thing that they do need to get better on. They need to be able to shoot it from three a little bit better. They were three on 31st in the country with regards to home three-point shooting percentage last season. But they were also 37th in the country in percentage of missed shots that resulted in an offensive rebound. And I do think that Tyrone Williams, who was rated by JucoRecruiting.com as the number 11 junior college transfer for the class of 2022, it's going to be a massive upgrade. Did not play a lot at Oregon last season, but he provides a nice frame at right around 6'5". He's a better three-point shooter than I think many people might think. And you've also got Sam Wood. He comes in from Brunswick. JucoRecruiting.com had him in their top 100 as well. He was able to shoot about 35% for three. He gives you about 9.5 points. Five rebounds. I think that he's going to be playing a big hand for the team right away. And if you could get anything out of Jason Wade, who's just dealt with injury after injury after injury after during the 2019-20 season, he logged 11 points, five and a half boards, 2.6 steals per game. That amount of steals per game was ranked ninth among qualifying T1 players that season. That is going to be absolutely massive. I think that Jeff Jones. He's one of the most underrated coaches in all of college basketball. They bring in a guy in Devin Caesar from Buffalo who's able to average right around five points per contest as well. This team is tough as nails. They always play their snails pace as well. 254th in the country in terms of possessions per game or slower each out of the past 10 seasons. And I think that they're going to be terrorizing opponents again. I've got them number two with regards to my projector finish. But at number one, we are going to be going James Madison, a team that was in the top 45 of the country with regards to total possessions per game and also points allowed on a per-possession basis. You've got three out of your top four scorers that were able to average at least nine points per game coming back, including Terrence Edwards, 13 points, five boards, steal per contest, shot 46% from three. This was one of the best teams at being able to rip the ball away from you as well. And Noah Friedel, last year he was averaging about nine points per contest, but keep in mind, at South Dakota State during the 2021-22 season, his first 11 games of the season, he averaged 20 points per game on 43% three-point shooting. Now you've got a true point guard in there as well. Michael Green, the third, nine points, 4.2 assists per contest. When I was at Robert Morris in the Ryzen League last year, TJ Bickerstaff is going to be able to elevate the seam down low two seasons ago at Boston College in the ACC. Was a starter that logged about six half points, seven boards per contest. Quincy Allen was rated by 247 Sports as the number 106 prospect in the class of 2021. Spent two injury plague seasons at Colorado. He comes into the fold. I like his skill set as a little bit of a six foot six, six foot seven, do it all sort of player. Julian Wooden shot over 40% from three. He's back in the fold as well. This was a team that was 15th in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis on the road as well. They were actually better on the road than they were at home. They cut you off from the three point arc. They do a good job of being able to generate turnovers. They have depth. James Madison, number one with regards to my projector or finish in the Sun Belt. And that will wrap things up for the Sun Belt Preview Edition right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. A big thanks to Nick Lawrence, who does great work over at Mid-Major Madness. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from the Sun Podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, slash my X timeline, at one. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And I'll be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast. 
with regards to the offseason, getting you guys the news and notes of college basketball along with these conference previews once we get in-season picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. So I appreciate you tuning in today, and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 